0: Our world is moving at an incredible pace. The need for reinvention is constant, especially if you want to be heard about the noise of it all. My name is Rosemary Barnes, presentation coach, voice actor, and expert in teaching you how to be heard. Great speakers must not only be proficient within their genre or industry, but must also understand how to get and keep the attention of their audiences. Please join us as we discuss the best ways to create and deliver excellent presentations.
1: Welcome back, everyone, and we're here today again with um, presentation expert and speaking coach uh, Rosemary Barnes. She is the guru of gurus when it comes to doing, give, giving great presentations and learning to speak well in front of audiences. Today's topic is audience focus. Now, oh, welcome, uh, welcome, uh, Rosemary, and this is really this is one of my favorite topics audience focus because we live and die by our audience. I don't care what what it is that you're doing. If you aim at the wrong audience, your business will fizzle and die.
0: Absolutely correct. And what's more is when you're doing a presentation, or let me repeat this first of all. If you are in business, as soon as you leave the confines of your own home, you are giving some sort of presentation because you are representing your business by the way you walk, by the way you talk, by the way you sit, by the what you're drinking at the restaurant. You are representing your business. Here's the thing that we fall into, though. When we are leaders in whatever the, whatever the title may be, when we are leaders, our focus can no longer remain inward. Our focus has to be on how we're being received. Anytime someone speaks, it's not for their own benefit. Well, there are people like that, but we're not talking about those people. We're talking about presenters that need to know that the listener is getting the right message. We can't do that without being aware of how things are landing. Dr. Moravian worked uh, with Quantico and the FBI to determine the best strategies for high-stakes negotiators. And it was discovered that when a negotiator speaks, only 7% of the message is received by the words. 38% was received by vocal skill. And a whopping 55% was received by the body language. When we're giving a presentation, all of those have to come into the formula. And all of those have to be for the benefit of the listener, not the speaker. The speaker already knows their topic. It doesn't matter how it sounds to them. What matters is how the information is received. Audience focus then means that you are speaking to the audience, for the audience, for the benefit of both. Focusing on how you feel is a waste of time. Yes, you may feel comfortable if you stand and talk with your arms crossed. You may feel, this is just the way I stand, and that's that. But it, when you're giving a presentation, that's not good enough. It doesn't matter whether you're comfortable. The only thing that matters is whether the audience is. Whether it's one-to-one, one-to-a-few, or one-to-many, your job as a speaker is to make sure your message lands lands for them,
1: not for you. In a lot of respects, I tell tell people this, and you may agree or or not, but um, giving a presentation is a dance. And that dance you're performing for there are some things that are for your benefit and for your enjoyment yes but most of it is this in this particular dance is for for the audience so that they get the most benefit out of it and they receive here's the point we have to
0: as speakers As presenters, as I say, whether it's across the desk in your office, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's in a convention center, whether it is over a table uh, filled with lunch. if If you are presenting, the only thing that matters is how well you can engage the other person. Therefore, everything you do must be directed that way. For example, let's talk about movement. Just for a second, because it's one of my one of the things that that I find most amazing. We've seen a tremendous number of speakers that wander side to side in their presentation space, almost as if they're trying to get their 10,000 steps in while they're speaking to their audience. They go from side to side. And sometimes it's because they want to look casual. Sometimes it's because they think it makes them look confident. Sometimes it's because they mistakenly believe that that's how they fill their space. Presence is what fills the space, not your feet. What happens when you... If if the speaker is on one side of the presentation space and very close to that side of the audience... The audience feels seen. The audience feels special. The audience feels important. But what happens then when the speaker walks over to the far side? Now those same audience members feel like yesterday's breakfast or less than important, and no one likes to feel less than. Mm-hmm. Now, he's transferred, as the speaker has transferred the attention from one side to the other, and so now the other side feels important and special and all those good things. But this boing, 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 boomerang speaking means that every time the audience has become disengaged because the speaker has gone elsewhere, now the speaker has to work twice as hard to get them back. Don't give him the opportunity in the first place. Fill the space with your presence, not your feet, because that's for the audience's benefit. Wandering side to side is not. It doesn't build greater connections. It builds stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. If you are sitting in an audience and the presenter favors stage right and you're on stage left... That gives you an opportunity to check out, to check your mail, to have a partner, a conversation with your elbow partner. This is not for audience benefit. This is not focusing on the audience. And if it is, it's sadly misplaced.
1: Hmm.
0: The other thing that comes to mind is the language that we use. Everyone speaks differently Yes, we all have our own tonalities really, really. and we yeah. all have our own mannerisms of speech and the like of that. It doesn't matter if you normally in conversation with the, in your own home say woulda, coulda, shoulda. When you are on stage, enunciation is so important. You see, we all lip read, whether we think we do or not. We all lip read. And when we can't hear, we go to the face and the body for extra clues. Why force our audience to work that hard? Say your words with energy. Our society has become increasingly more casual. That's fine. That's great. I mean, really, think about Victorian England with women in bustles and whalebone corsets and men with top hats and spats. We don't dress like that anymore. Now we've got baseball caps and sneakers uh, or no hat at all. And formal three-piece suits have at least given way to more casual blazers. Now, suit and jacket's notwithstanding. We still wear them, but it is not as formal as it used to be. Unfortunately, our language has become equally casual. Using as a speaker, when you're on stage and you use things like, yep, Instead of yes, when we speak with uh, instead of I don't know, it causes aspersions to be placed on our content. It makes us seem not quite as credible simply by the way we pronounce our words. The problem is not usually at the beginning of words, it's the endings. That we tend to drop
1: off. Yeah, we tend to trail them off, or or not complete, or something like that. When you did the shoulda, coulda, woulda, is like you kept leaving off the end of the word. Right. Now, I I know that this the, some speakers they 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 say, oh well, I want to make sure that that they feel like I am one of them. Mm -hmm. There are better ways to make them feel like they're one of them than by augmenting your language in a way that you may be misunderstood. Right.
0: Don't misunderstand me. It is the speaker's responsibility to speak in the language that the audience can understand. Always remain one step more formal than the audience. Right. If If you want to remain credible, Yes, you want to be one of the guys. Yes, you want to be on par and on evil, even keel with everyone in the audience. But by virtue of the fact that you are up on the presentation space addressing people, that makes you just one step more responsible for them getting the message. And if we do not pronounce our words clearly, distinctly, and properly, We cannot guarantee that they are getting the message. Similarly, at least in Canada, we tend to check for understanding by raising our pitch at the end of sentences. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I was at the store and I found these great pair of shoes. Well, did you or didn't you? You can get away with that in casual conversation, but as a speaker... It gnaws away at your credibility. Now, what we're doing is asking without asking, do you understand? Are you following with me? Got me so far. But as a speaker, it makes us sound a little bit like a flipperty gibbet. Do you know or don't you know? Mm-hmm. Were you there or weren't you there? It's a li- We find it a little bit in the northern United States, but much further south than that, and it's simply not done. I think it's because we're so terribly polite in Canada that we want to make sure everyone is following us. I don't know. I'm making that up. The point is, do not raise raise the intonation at the end of your sentences unless you are truly excuse me truly asking a question. It just makes you seem insecure and somewhat less than confident.
1: Absolutely, of course. Uh, our friends in in the in the U.S. Um, who also may or may be listening, um, they um, we have to be careful of our colloquialisms because colloquialisms do not transfer universally.
0: Absolutely, the same way as people in Boston do not. We all have accents. We oh, all absolutely. Do. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. The trick is to make sure your audience can understand you. So when we think of, unless you're a classical music singer or a trained actor, where there are definite ways to pronounce vowels, vowels are, vowels are what create the accent. And for the most part, as long as we're consistent, we can get away with what we're doing. What we can't do is make it so casual And so uh, ignored that the audience doesn't get our meaning clearly. The point that I make is that speakers have to be aware of all of the intricacies of language. The same way as you cannot use accounting abbreviations if you're talking to a group of automotive people. They will not understand the language. And once we're using the language that we understand, the rule is to remain one step more formal than the audience's average.
1: Right. There, there, that is one one of the a big, it is a really big issue, jargon. Mm. And um, we think that everybody knows our jargon. And no, you take a step, just one step, Outside of your industry, and you will find out that it doesn't doesn't work. Um, I was trying to explain to somebody when I was working as a analytical chemist what I actually did for a living, and they they said they looked at me dumbfounded, and <laughs> I will tell you exactly what I said to them to explain. What I did at first using jargon, I said I run an ICPMS to test down to the part quadrillion for trace metals.
0: And I would have said, Are you from Mars?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I don't get it.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So everybody who who exists within within the the analysis industry they understand exactly what i said but mm-hmm. for those who are not in there i have to explain it a little bit differently in saying that well i use a mass spectrometer like in like they do in csi mm. um, and i do trace analysis like they like they when they take the evidence and say oh we're going to send this to trace analysis i'm that person who would receive the evidence and do the trace analysis and then right. i test down to a very 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 small portion to for dirt and that's what
0: and, i mean when i say we have to speak the language that the listeners mm-hmm. understand we cannot use anachronisms and abbreviations that they don't understand. Even though they flip off our tongue just as naturally as anything, it doesn't matter how comfortable the speaker is. It only matters whether the audience can understand. And that's what I mean by audience focus. It's not just words either. It's emotions. If we come out as a speaker and we have an axe to grind, or we are going to get up on a soapbox about something that irritates the bejeebers out of us, and our emotions are running very high, we risk two things. First of all, we risk the audience feeling unsafe emotionally, if they're not coming along with us, or we risk alienating them to the point where they walk out a speaker's emotion our job is to elicit emotions from the audience, not shove them at them and throw them down the throat. A speaker must consider how the listener will respond, anticipate it, and then approach subjects so that the response can be positive and but not crazy. So that we can express negativity without endangering the emotional safety of the audience. A speaker's job is to keep the audience emotionally safe. That's not to say that we don't activate emotion. We absolutely must. All our decisions, whether we are left-brained, logical, linear, or right-brained, gut-instinct and emotion-based, all of us make decisions first emotionally. And then if you're left-brained, that kicks in and finds evidence to support it. But we all make decisions through gut, through emotion. If we do not engage the audience properly, we cannot elicit emotions. And if we cannot elicit emotions, we cannot engage them properly. It's a whole circle. It's all about considering how what you're saying will be received and understood. That's a speaker's responsibility.
1: Yeah, so some of the the biggest speakers out there, they they have it down to a science of how they use their movement on the stage, mm-hmm. their their hand gestures, their eyes, absolutely, and the, the whole thing how they how they will move their head the whole bit to a point that now I now I have control over what I want you to feel.
0: One of the, one of the speaker's best tools is to activate the five senses in the audience, none of oh, themselves,
1: yes. In yes. the audience
0: sight, sound, touch, taste, and the most powerful one of all is smell. And yet speakers often forget to access that very strong emotion point. If I say to you, um, we were at grandma's house and she baked cinnamon buns.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: But what if I say we went to grandma's house and the smell of those fresh baked cinnamon buns came wafting out to greet us. All of a sudden, we're all smelling cinnamon buns. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the smell of cinnamon buns is, is, well, it could be negative to some people, but for the most part, it's uh, a pleasant emotion that you're now experiencing. But you're absolutely right. Eye contact is one of the best ways to ensure engagement. It's tricky. Staring at someone for more than three seconds makes them uncomfortable and pull back. But a glancing look, you may as well not bother. Even the amount of time that you look your audience members in the eye must be calculated for the benefit of their understanding, not for what makes the speaker feel dandy.
1: Absolutely. And I've I've been in audiences where I've watched the, the speaker. is like he looks just enough to, to activate an emotion in you and then looks away.
0: It's a tricky thing, too. Have you ever noticed speakers that seem to always be favoring one side of the audience over the other?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you,
0: do you want to know why? It's because there's an active face in the audience over there that is giving the speaker feedback. Oh, yeah, yes, definitely. So if you want a speaker to look at you, tell your face to respond to what the speaker is saying. And the speaker will pay more attention to you than to anyone else in the audience. To the point where the other people might feel ignored. So we do have to guard against that. Every person in the room paid the same fee to get in or has the same amount at stake. Needs to learn from what you're saying, we have to pay equal attention, even if the faces in the audience are not compelling us to look their way. That's what I mean by audience focus. Audience focus also depends on, uh, also relies very much on our intention. Are we speaking to this group to inspire, to motivate? Those are not the same things. Are we speaking to sell? Are we speaking to persuade? Are we speaking to what to educate? Are we speaking to simply inform? That all affects the how we speak to the audience if we don't have our intention clear of what we want the audience to feel like when they leave what we want them to do before they leave then our intention will waffle and will go off on tangents and remembering that time is never a speaker's friend and that it is the law of professional speakers that says thou shalt not go over time, ever if you oh. keep your intention clear that's much easier to do and the intention is not about for what you want to say but instead how do you want the audience to feel what information do you want them to have internalized and what you want them to do that's focused on them then you can find a way of getting it all uh, uh, straight out forward and, and, and going directly into their hearts and minds.
1: Yeah. Well, do you have any, uh, specific steps that we can share with, with the audience now, and then we'll, we'll, tell them how to find the find the whole class overall. Absolutely. I do. Of course I do.
0: A speaker is only judged to be as effective as the least engaged audience member takes out with them. To that end, you design, before you begin to create a presentation, the first thing that you have to do is define your audience. Who are you speaking to? then your intention is to solve their top-of-mind problem. Not your own, theirs. Once you have solved their top-of-mind problem and what is your intention, then you begin to create the presentation. Then you have to know the demographics of your audience. Are they men? Are they women? Are they mixed? Are they uh, senior business people? Are they... uh, In transition, are they? What is the demographic of the audience? That dictates your seating arrangement. Even that counts as audience focus. If you are speaking in the round, then you have to make sure that you're focused on the audience all the way around you, the most difficult way to do it. Audience focus means you never... Ever until you die and maybe later turn your back on your listeners. Not to check your computer, not to check. Have you ever seen speakers that turn around and talk
1: to their projection screen? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. You know, like, Hello. oh my God, oh, you just lost everybody. You just
0: lost everyone. When the audience is the focus of your intention, you have to know what they need, who they are, and what you want them to take away then you begin creating the presentation. You use enhancements, slideshows, movement, voice work, all of those other things to help you reach that intention. Please know that for an audience to benefit, the attention should not be on your slideshow. It's become so common for speakers to focus on that slideshow mostly to keep themselves on track and give themselves cues and hints as to what's coming next. that They actually create the presentation after they've created the slides. Pictures and images are powerful, but need to be used only to enhance the presenter's message, not the other way around. For an audience focus, you need to know that your presentation must be able to stand on its own merits, even if the electricity goes out. Even if technology does what it likes to do and misbehave at terribly inappropriate times, you are the presentation for their benefit, not your own.
1: That is an extremely important point that I think... Most speakers forget. Of course we forget,
0: because we are all a little bit solipsistic. Newborn navies are completely solipsistic. They know they are the center of the universe. All other f- bodies floating around in the ozone are there only for their benefit and circle around their heads. Speakers are can be very nervous. Public speaking is a tremendous fear, and there's good reason for it. All the attention is on the speaker. So the speaker needs to turn that around and say, but my attention is on the audience and give it back to them.
1: Absolutely. Very good point. So you, the, there is the executive presentation course, and how do people find the Executive Presentation Academy?
0: The Executive Presentation Academy is launching in January. Uh, it is so close to completion; I'm salivating. The the it is uh, virtual training because not everyone has uh, time, money, etc. for one-on-one training. the the course that I've created is divided into two parts, the essentials program and the leadership program. The essentials program covers all of this, everything from, uh, your intention to audience focus, to how you organize your content all the way through to room control and when to give people breaks and whether to feed them or not. And all of that sort of thing. Uh, if you feed them, they will come, and so will the noise and the mess. So, you know, all that kind of thing yeah. is covered in the Essentials program. The Leadership program is for people that must speak to lead, uh, and that program covers everything from being authentic and representing yourself all the way to speaking across the generations, internal communication, external communication, communication through disruption. Those two programs can be taken uh, that can be registered for at different times or there's a price saving for doing both at the same time. Uh, it is it, it is videos and it comes complete with bi uh, weekly virtual calls on Zoom where we answer questions, where we mastermind together to solve individual problems, to form a community. And there's also the monthly newsletter, which, in, with permission individuals taking the course are uh, received for free it's called communication gold and uh, with permission it will just arrive with all the new the, the highlights of the, <laughs> the highlights of the real the, as it were and new things that come up and questions answered the like of that to get a hold of me all you need to do is uh, the website is currently adding that little bit so best way is to contact our Barnes. V-A-R-N-E-S at confidentstages.com or just call me at 250-661-0994. And I'm here to be of service to you, not to me.
1: And thank you very much. And um, co- come back for all of our listeners, come back for the next um episode and the next topic, which would be room control. So we'll see you shortly for the next episode. And thank you for listening today. Bye for now. Please subscribe to Executive Presentation Academy. To connect with Rosemary directly, go to ConfidentStages.com and click the contact button. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at Depictions.media for more information.